not sure if we have um, shared with uh, everyone or everyone knows, maybe you do or, or not, but, uh, you know, Ariel um, has, uh, has bought a home. And, uh, and we've been remodeling that home for her to eventually move into. And, um, and there was, uh, it, it's, not a, it's not a tiny home, but it's, it's not a real big home. But there was a, a, a wall between the living room and the kitchen. And, um, and the kitchen is kind of small. And she wanted to take half of that wall out, the upper half, and leave the counter and the space and, and open it up a little bit so the kitchen didn't seem so small. And then we were talking about that. And um, Janice not with us today. She is under the weather. But, but it was one of those things that, that, you know, Janet just, when we were talking about taking that part of the wall out, she just couldn't. Couldn't get it. She couldn't grasp. What, what, what are you talking about? Take the wall out, you know? And uh, so, so we had to go in and, and we had to draw the bigger picture. So we had to draw all of the kitchen, all of the dining room, all the living room, and show where this wall was and the idea of taking it out and, and putting a counter in there and leveling it so, so that they still had counter space, but yet you could see through and make it an open room. And, uh, and finally, when we drew the whole big picture, then, then she went, oh, I get what you're talking about, right? Sometimes we're that way with the Lord. Sometimes we don't understand the, the specific points or specific direction that he's giving because we haven't seen the big picture. And sometimes we need to see the big picture in order to understand the individual points that fall within the picture. As we talk about, as we begin to make our journey toward Easter, and we talk about the cross of Christ and the journey to the cross, the the big picture oftentimes helps us to understand the individual points that are a part of that picture, of the journey to the cross of Christ. And so what I want to share with you today is, is the first thing is this, the big picture. I want us to all make sure that we understand what the big picture is. And the big picture is this, God loves you and me. He just does. He loves us. I, I can't explain it. I, I can't, you know, uh, help you to, to, to understand it any more than I understand it myself. He loves us. I don't know why we're dumb. We do dumb things. We're sinful. We're bad. I mean, all of the things that we do in life, He loves us. That's the big picture. God loves you and God loves me. We are all sinners And without His Son, Christ Jesus, we are doomed to a Christless eternity. That's the big picture. It's true and it's real. He loves us, but we are sinners. And without His Son, Christ Jesus, we are doomed to a Christless eternity that will be horrible, horrific, the most awful thing that we could imagine. But because He loves us, He has made a way through Christ for this not to happen. That's the big picture. That's the whole thing, if you look at it from from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, the whole story, the big picture, is simply this. 
God loves you and me. We are sinners destined to a Christless eternity without God's plan and provision through His Son, Christ Jesus, to keep that from happening. That's the big picture. And as we consider the big picture, it is critical that we understand the cross of Christ and the role that that plays in the big picture. This was God's plan from before creation. It was not a a reaction to something that was unexpected or unexplained. He didn't say, oh, they messed up, let me figure out how to fix it. That isn't what happened. God's plan for the cross of Christ was before He ever began creation. From the beginning of all time, it was not a a reaction, it was not a a knee-jerk reaction, Uh, it was a plan from the very beginning. The Scripture is very clear in regards to this, that we, we need what He offers from Christ in order for us to have life. And so as we look at that today, there are just a couple of things that I want us to understand about the journey to the cross and what that means to you and I as we look at our spiritual journey. And the first thing is this, is that the journey to the cross was started before the world began. John chapter 1 and verse 1. You know it, I know it. But let's read it together this morning and refresh our minds in regards to the truth. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And we've read that verse or those verses, that's verse 1 and 2, multiple times in our lives. We've heard... Sermons preached on that passage of Scripture multiple times in our life. But let's be honest with one another. It is difficult for us to understand this. It's difficult to understand it because we are limited by time and space. And God is not. In the beginning says He has always been. And He will always be. That's hard to understand. I mean, Don celebrating a birthday today. And Daryl. I didn't know that. He came talking about Don's birthday. He didn't say, oh, it's my birthday too, right? Man. But think about the limits of time and space. Don was born into this world. And year by year by year, we count off the years. And we know that, that according to, to everything that we know and understand and relate to life, life is limited. There's going to come a day, if the Lord tarries, that we will not be here any longer. And Don and I shared the thought that at his point in life, he's kind of becoming a little bit of an older gentleman. Right? More mature. A handsome... Oh, wow. Now we're really... Okay. Let's get back to the point. We're limited in time and space. We look at the point of birth and we think 75, 80, 85, 90. Man, if somebody reaches 100 years, that's just 
unheard of and phenomenal. And so we're limited. This is it. This is where it begins and this is where it ends and this is all there is. And to understand the idea, the concept, the principle that God has always been. There was never a birthday. There was never a beginning for Him. There will be no end for Him. He has always been and will always be. That's a hard concept to wrap our minds around because we're limited in time and space. The fact that God's Word says, in the beginning was the Word. It all started with Him because He has always been. It's important for us to understand that and grasp that. It's an incredible truth for us to understand that all the way back in the very begin in the very beginning, the Word, the Word, He is Jesus, was with Him. He was there. The Scripture says that He was a part of creation, that that He was involved in the process, that He was not only with God, but the Scripture also says that He is God. That's another tough one, isn't it? He's not just with him, but he is him. Wait a minute, how can he be with him if he is him, he, he's with himself? How do we, how do we rationalize and, and realize that in our minds and come to an understanding? But to know this truth, and to understand this truth, or at least begin to believe this truth, is what helps us then to to gather a greater understanding of the truth that God's Word says God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. That helps me to understand, oh, God is Himself and Christ is His Son, but He is also with Him and He is Him. And so He was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, which is Himself. And so I began to comprehend, to understand in all of this, God loves me and God loves you. And in that love, God desires to reconcile, to bring us back in to a right relationship with Him. Before God spoke into existence the first ray of light, one drop of water, one blade of grass, or one star in the sky. He had already set in motion the plan for the cross of Christ. It was already part of, of what He planned for you and for me. It, it wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a reaction to our sinful action. It was from the beginning His plan. And when we can begin to at least embrace that. I don't know that we can fully understand it, but when we can begin to embrace that, that God's plan was from the beginning for Christ to come and to die for my sins on a cross. It was no accident. It was no afterthought. It was no reaction to our sinful action. It was God's plan. Always from the beginning, because of His love for us, it was His plan. The second truth of the journey of the cross is, is that He illustrates it throughout His Word. 
he, he tries to help us understand what is going to happen before it ever happens. One of the greatest examples of that we find in the Old Testament Scripture in Genesis chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me for just a few moments this morning. And let us begin to understand God's illustration of His plan for the cross of Christ. Most people love this story. It's a story of love between two aging parents who yearn for a child of their own. There are so many lessons to be learned and images of what was to come um, to be seen in it. Uh, it. It can almost be overwhelming. In Genesis chapter 22, we, we have the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. And there is this credible, incredible unfolding of the promise of God and His accomplishment in the lives of Abraham and Sarah to fulfill His promise in their life that would project into the future the coming of the Christ child. And as this story begins to unfold and it begins to illustrate the coming of Christ and His death and sacrifice on the cross, it begins with man believing in the promise of God, but not waiting on the plan of God. And we know that a few, few chapters before chapter 22, interceding Hagar, servant maid, and Ishmael. And Sarah and Abraham together decided that she was not going to be able to give him the child that he needed or children that he needed in order for God's promise to be fulfilled. And so they thought in some way and somehow God needed their help. And so, so Sarah introduces to Abraham, Hagar, his, her handmaid, her servant, to bear for him a child in order to fulfill the promise of God. How arrogant they were. To think that God could not do what God promised He would do. And so we see the first scene of mankind in regards to our response to God's promises. And God promises, and God has a plan, but oftentimes we believe in the promise, but we're not willing to wait on the plan. And so we take things into our own hands. And we say, well, I know God promises this and God promises that, but here's how that's going to happen. Here's how that's going to be accomplished. Here's how that's going to happen in my life. This is what's going to take place. This is because we set things into our own plan. We put it into our control. We're not willing to wait on God. We're not willing to wait on His plan. We're not willing to be patient. And so the first example of what it means for man to try to, to save himself. I mean, that's really what it's about, isn't it? We know that we are condemned to a Christless eternity. And so we know that God has promised that there is hope and there's life everlasting. And so we begin to determine how, how do I work that out? How do I make that happen? How do I make sure that I get there? And so then we begin to believe that we are justified by our works. And we can go all the way back and, and ask that age-old question that's been asked for, for all of time. 
How do you know if you were to die tonight and you were to, to go and stand at the pearly gates, how do you know that you're going to get into heaven? And we answer that. And if any of our answer begins with the first person, then we are just like Sarah and Abraham, Hagar, and Ishmael. And that is if we say, I. Well, I, if I say I've done anything that will assure my presence in heaven, then I'm on the wrong track. Because I become so arrogant and so full of myself that I can determine anything about my life. And I can't. Only God can. And it's only what He has done through His Son Christ Jesus and on the cross of Christ that allows me any hope of ever being in the kingdom of heaven. And so my answer is, is how do I know that I'm going to go to heaven? It's because of what God has done in Christ Jesus. That's how I know I'm going to heaven, not because of anything that I've done, not because of anything that I deserve, not because of any works or anything that I've accomplished. It's not anything about me. It's about Him and what He's done in Christ Jesus on the cross. And when we can begin to understand that and grasp that and, and, and hold on to that, then we begin the journey that we need to begin in our spiritual life to grow and mature and become what He it has called us to be. But all the way back here in the Old Testament Scripture, we see that they took things into their own hands. Well, God promises that He would multiply your seed on this earth and that your descendants would be... Mul- and, and I can't give you a child. And so, what do we do? Well, then, then we, we make the way. So, here's, here's my maidservant and she can give you a child. And she can give you children. And she can give you a son. And we can accomplish what God has promised. And God said, no, that's not my plan. That's your plan. It's my promise, but it's your plan. And so then we move later into chapter 22. And let's pick up there and read together. And this is, is to me just such a, a beautiful and wonderful story. It says, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here, I'm sorry, I, I jumped ahead. I need to go back just a page to chapter 21. Chapter 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Listen to that. Then he took note, and he did as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. Listen to this. At the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. You understand that? God said, I have a promise. And I will fulfill that promise in my plan. And Sarah and Abraham tried to rush ahead by engaging Hagar in in this process. And they thought they had to work it out and figure it out. But then finally, Sarah conceives and it is at the appointed time. It's the time that God had said. It's the time that God had planned. And, and we try to rush ahead of Him. And we try to, to work things out in our own way. And He says, just be patient. I've given you a promise and I will fulfill the promise. Just wait on Me. 
I'll do my work in the right time. At the appointed time, the Scripture says, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Let's continue on. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And he said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Who would have thought that it would have taken all of this time for God to do what God had promised He would do? But guess what? He did. What an incredible picture of God saying, listen, I have a promise. Man saying, let me get a hold of it. Let me, let me work it out my way because I think this is going to be the best way to get it there. And God says, okay, you do what you want to do, but I'm still going to fulfill my promise. He didn't allow man's... Man's decision to do what he did to, to interfere with him doing what he had planned to do. And the plan was that Abraham and Sarah would have a child. And through that child would become the descendants of the ages to Christ Jesus. And it was God's plan. It was God's promise. And he accomplished it in the appropriate time when it was appointed for him to do so. And then we move on to chapter 22. In chapter 22, God comes to Abraham and he says, Hey, listen, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Now, the temptation would have been exactly what it was before. It would have been for Abraham to go, Whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute, God. You said that you're going to multiply my descendants and they'll be as the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea and, and all of these promises for generations and generations. And, and he's my only son. There's no way you can do what you've said you're going to do if I do what you're asking me to do. We didn't see that, did we? Guess what? I think Abraham learned a little bit. I think he got a little bit wiser, right? When he saw God do what, what they didn't think he was going to get done. And so, so he said, okay, God. If that's what you want me to do, that's what I'm willing to do. Okay? So, so Abraham began to understand Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. Listen to what it says. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, listen, you think things through. You, you think things ought to be this way or that way. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And, and so Abraham, I think, understood that because when God said, I want you to, uh, to offer and sacrifice Isaac, Abraham said, okay. And he loaded up the wood and he loaded up the fire and put it on the donkey and he took Isaac by the hand and they headed out. They went to a place where there was, there was an altar established and he prepared to offer Isaac. The scripture says that he bound the lad and he put him on, on top of the altar. And the little boy asked, he said, he said, God, where, man, Dad, where, where's, the, where's the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide. So he learned a lesson. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. I don't know how he's going to do this. 
But I learned my lesson. I'm going to trust him. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. I trust him. And so he bound the lad and he put him on, on the altar. And the scripture in there in chapter 22 says that he raised his knife. It, it, it was at that point that he was ready to sacrifice. And there was a distraction. And the distraction was that there was a ram caught in the bushes. And it was a sacrifice that God had prepared. And it's just a foreshadowing of the image of the sacrifice that God would make of his only son. It was a foreshadowing. It was a vision of looking into the future of what God had planned to do and God had prepared to do before the foundation of the world. And that he was sending his only son that he would die on a cross for our sins. That he would sacrifice him in order to save you and I. Why? Because of the big picture. He loves you and he loves me. And he doesn't want us to have a Christless eternity. And so he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price for us so that he could redeem us to himself, buy us back to him so that we could be with him for all eternity. He wants us to know and to understand that Jesus is the only way. There, there is no other way. And we must embrace the cross of Christ. We must believe the cross of Christ. And we must embrace the cross of Christ. And the sacrifice that he made. Acts chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He says, He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. Listen to this. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Having been with Jesus. The journey to the cross God's blessings only come through His Son. God's blessings can only come through Christ Jesus. Who God planned before the foundation of the world that He would come born of a virgin, that He would live a pure, sinless, perfect life, ultimately to be sacrificed on a cross a, a cruel and brutal death to pay the price for your sins and my sins. Because of the big picture, God loves you. God loves me. And He sent Jesus to die on a cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. Thankfully, the story doesn't stop there. We know that there was a death, burial, and there was a resurrection. And because of that, you and I have hope, and it's hope of eternity in the kingdom of heaven, not a Christless, but a Christ-filled eternity through the cross of Jesus Christ. So this morning, 